Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are beginning a new study, and this new study is going to be through the book of 2 Timothy. I'm kind of excited to really get into this. It's it, It's been a long time coming to really go into a deep dive of 2 Timothy. I have to be honest, I've taken certain parts of 2 Timothy, and I have taught through them, preached through them over the years. Uh, specifically, I've done a lot of study and uh, teaching and preaching through 2 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 3, but 2 Timothy is a book that I hold near and dear to my heart because it's a book that I spent um, a really long time studying in my pastoral internship. In fact, uh, I, I quit counting after I had studied it after I, th- I think it was 200 hours I'd put into 2 Timothy. And it's it's not a very long book, but uh, it it has got so much rich depth, uh, and so it, really the theme of Second Timothy, in in my opinion, is discipleship. It's really discipleship. You really get to see the heart of the Apostle Paul uh, for his spiritual son Timothy and for discipleship in this. So I am excited to get into 2 Timothy uh, here today and to go through that. Now, uh, of course, looking at going into 2 Timothy, I was I, I was debating back, or back and forth whether or not to do this because it would seem more natural to, of course, do 1 Timothy and then 2 Timothy. Uh, but 2 Timothy is a, a standalone book. There, It is building on top of 1 Timothy, undoubtedly, but uh, really it is a, a standalone book. There's um, th- there's a little bit of reference back and forth between the two, but not necessarily a ton. Um, but uh, just a quick, couple quick housekeeping notes. One is that I learned an important lesson here going on vacation, and that is that Legoland in Florida uh, and car rides with a three and, and almost five-year-old are, are not ideal places to do writing. And so I did not get near as much done as what I was hoping to uh, on my repentance ebook, which means it's going to be delayed just a little bit further. Um, but it is still in the works. It is still coming along. Really, um, I think I have two chapters uh, left to to do, uh, and then it, it will be done being, being written, and it just needs to be formatted. But um, really, it, it it really shouldn't take that long. I just need to sit down and do it. That's the problem, because uh, especially when I'm when I'm looking at it, uh, I'm trying to keep it right around ten thousand words, which um, it makes it a a short booklet. More this is probably more detail than any of you could ever care for. Uh, but I just figured I would I would let you know that it, it is still being worked on, just not quite done yet. Uh, when I get that done, I might use that to break up a couple of the chapters of Second Timothy uh, to talk about repentance just a little bit, um, or maybe I'll just wait till after uh, we're done with the study through Second Timothy. But I think as you'll get a little bit of a flavor of today, as we're only going to be getting one verse into Second Timothy, we're going to be taking this um, taking this a little bit slower here through Second Timothy. Really get um, out of it uh, what. Really, I, I want to go in depth into this, and I want you to get as much as you possibly can out of Second Timothy. Um, and this will be one that we will really go verse by verse through. Probably the most that will ever go verse by verse through something doesn't mean that every week will be one verse, uh, but we'll be going through it verse by verse. And I'm going to try to cover everything that is in the book of Second Timothy. 
But without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and let's jump into our text today, which of course is 2 Timothy chapter 1. And it says this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I am persuaded as in you also." Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know that, uh, for I know whom I believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard in me, uh, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Uh, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when I arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day." And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Now, when we get into uh, this book of Second Timothy, it's important to understand a little bit of the context here as to what's going on. And the historical context is that this is, book was written, uh, we've got actually a pretty narrow time frame that it was written. It was written between 66 and 68 AD, and this was uh, during the Apostle Paul's second imprisonment, which was um, much less comfortable than his first imprisonment. His first imprisonment was very much house arrest uh, style, and um, though, you know, obviously you don't want to be in any kind of arrest, it was it was much more comfortable than a second uh, arrest. I mean, you had all kinds of people around him and uh, really people going to and fro, coming to him and going, and, and he was really surrounded by a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people. And this is where he could go and say in uh, the book of Philippians, you know, that uh, the whole palace guard has 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 heard of the gospel and things like that. But uh, Second Timothy, we see here in his second imprisonment, it's it's much more serious. This is leading up to his death. This is right before the Apostle Paul uh, dies when he when he goes to Rome there and gets beheaded for uh, the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. But we see here, 
um, very much different circumstances than his first imprisonment, where he had all these people around him. In in Second Timothy, uh, there there is an allusion uh, that, that he alludes to. Excuse me, not an allusion, but he alludes uh, to the idea that not many people are around him. Everybody's left him. Uh, we see this a lot in Second Timothy chapter four. We'll get to that, but except for Luke, Luke was with him, um, but. We we see that pretty much nobody's with with the apostle Paul. There there's very few around him, and he's he's writing a letter, sending it to Timothy, telling Timothy, "Hey, my spiritual son, my time's about done. You need to come and you need to see me." Now Timothy is the recipient of this letter, and he is a young pastor, probably uh, probably in his thirties, perhaps as young as in his late twenties, uh, but most likely in his thirties. Uh, and he's a, a young pastor in the church of Ephesus, which, of course, is the same church that's referenced in the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches. It's where the Apostle Paul told him to stay in 1 Timothy chapter 1, I believe it was verse 3, uh, that he told him to stay in Ephesus. He tells him to, to stay there and to be there. But the Apostle Paul, uh, he's writing to Timothy his spiritual son, and we're going to get to see a lot of that relationship here, uh, specifically in the first chapter and the third chapter um, of Second Timothy, and we can see how close this relationship was, how he's he's intimately familiar with uh, Timothy's family. We can see that he knows the faith of his, his mother, of his grandmother, and we can see, obviously, he's saying, and you have that faith as well. We're going to see that here in a few days. Uh, but we, we see that this is truly a spiritual son, and he's saying, come to me, because uh, basically the Apostle Paul knows that he is at the end of his life. He knows that he's at the end of his life. Uh, this is going to be the end for the Apostle Paul, and he says, I want to see you one last time. He wants to encourage him, and so this is a letter much of encouragement. It's it's of instruction and charges, where he's telling Timothy how to conduct himself in the house of God, not quite as much in the structure like it was in uh, 1 Timothy, but this is just a, a little bit different on how to pass down the faith, how to make it generational. You can see that theme of a generational faith throughout the first two chapters, well, really the first three chapters of 2 Timothy here, uh, so through most of the book, and you can see this this concept of discipleship and this importance of discipleship, but but also uh, this this idea of encouragement to Timothy, and of course he needs to be encouraged, uh, not just because of the persecution that's going on. Like I said here, the Apostle Paul is about to die. Uh, Nero is uh, is emperor of the Roman Empire at this point in time. Um, I'll get into Nero here in just a second, but uh, but it's 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 one of those things as well that the uh, that Timothy, even though all of this is craziness around him in his culture against Christianity. He still has to deal with the everyday things that a pastor and a church have to deal with. In fact, uh, the church in Ephesus had a, a a church split. We don't know the exact details of the church split, but it was uh, from Hymenius and Alexander who made a shipwreck of the the faith uh, there, as was uh, referenced in First Timothy. Um, I I believe it's that they were teaching that the resurrection had already happened. They were. Um, Essentially, the first preterist uh, that were coming out there and, and teaching a, a false doctrine 
uh, on this that you know there this there wasn't going to be a resurrection everything had been fulfilled that type of a thing that they were going and preaching but it was just false doctrine in, in heresy and there was apparently a split in Ephesus as they had made shipwreck of the faith and so Timothy is dealing with that as a young pastor going through a church split um, difficult times, discouraging times, and then he looks out at his culture, and it's not like, well, hey, you can look out and say, man, things are at least great in the culture. Christ is being exalted. No, his friends, the Christians, are being persecuted. His life is being threatened. Uh, his mentor is and discipler, his apostle, his pastor, Paul, is um, in chains. Man, this is a discouraging time for young Timothy. And so this is a book— also of encouragement, but let's get into this first verse because this is what I want to look at here this morning is, well, I guess I should say just a little bit about Nero um, in, in the persecutions of Nero. I, actually, I'll, I'll hold on to that. I'll, I'll save that for a little bit uh, later in this chapter, but but tuck that away as you're listening, that, that Nero um, was not a good guy and he was persecuting the church. But what we see here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And I just want to point out a few things here. So first of all, this is a greeting, of course, uh, and the Apostle Paul establishes his apostleship here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And of course, he's tying it to Jesus Christ there. Um, that he is Jesus Christ's apostle, but then which apostle it, it means messenger or or sent one. So that's important to understand. He is going and saying that that he is sent for a specific uh, purpose. Now, of course, being an apostle, um, th this has has certain rank that is over people. He was was over. Uh, pastors, and he was a church planter, and he was going and had specific authority. He was a high-ranking spiritually here. But then he says this, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, by the will of God, that sounds good. Of course, we want everything to be done through, by the will of God. But to get just a little bit nerdy on you, that word by, it means through. And that word will, it's actually talking about a, a gracious disposition. It's not just what, what God's desire is, but it is a gracious disposition that he's talking about. You see, the Apostle Paul is tying his place in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. And he's saying that it is only through the gracious will of God. Think about that for a minute. He is tying his position in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, to the gracious will or the gracious disposition of God. And it's only through. What does that mean? He's establishing, yes, his authority to write this letter and to charge Timothy to tell Timothy what to do. But he's also telling us a truth, you a truth, about your position in the kingdom of God, your position in the body of Christ. You, you, you're probably not an apostle listening to this. You probably don't have that position as the apostle Paul, 
chances are you're probably not a pastor either listening to this, but you do have a position, a place in the body of Christ. And do you realize that your place in the body of Christ, that it is you've been placed there and it's through Christ, and it's through the gracious will of God, that it is God going and saying, look, the, the place that you have, the, the puzzle piece that you are to the body of Christ, and I don't know what your position is. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe uh, you're a nursery worker. Maybe you're somebody who is involved uh, deeply in, in the gifts of help and the helps ministries. Maybe you're, you're somebody who goes and you're a door greeter. Maybe you're somebody who, who works in the uh, the sound department there. Maybe you're, you're somebody who who is a prayer warrior. I don't know what your position is. Maybe you're a deacon. I don't know what your position is, but I do know that God placed you there and he did it graciously. It was goodwill towards not just the body of Christ. It's not that you're just blessing everybody, but it is towards you. It's a blessing towards you, and God is doing this for what is right. And it's and, and this is the thing that I want you to understand, because sometimes people start thinking that their positions in the body of Christ are insignificant. Sometimes people start looking out and they think that, oh man, it's it's insignificant. It's not a big deal. You, you know, oh, woe is me. Or sometimes they get kind of an envious, jealous eye, and they look out and they say, I want that position. You know, I, I would rather be a door greeter than I would be a, a, a church cleaner. I don't know what it is. You know, I it could be a number of things. But they look out in that way and they don't realize that it is God who puts you there. And it's it's God who puts you there in a gracious manner, that it is it is for your good, that it is God graciously acting in a gracious way to put you there. You fit where God placed you. That's what the Apostle Paul is communicating. It, it, now, he's communicating more than that because he is he, because of his place, because of his position. There is more than that. He is establishing authority, but he is letting us know something about wherever you are in the body of Christ, that as long as God is the one who puts you there, it's his gracious will. And then he says this, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is according to, this is in this word, according to, once again, to get a little bit nerdy, it's a preposition. And I feel like English does a terrible job of translating or communicating Greek prepositions. And it, it means moving towards. It's it's giving movement. It's down from, and it's it's moving towards something. And so it's moving towards the given promise of living eternally in heaven or the promise of life. And that is resting, of course, only in Christ Jesus. You see. God's gracious will of placing you in the body of Christ, it moves you towards eternal life. It moves you towards Christ Jesus. It draws you nearer to him. If you're disjointed, if you're not happy where you're supposed to be, and you get disjointed, 
in the body of Christ. Perhaps you go and you walk in a place that God did not put you, or you leave a place that God did put you. It hinders you from drawing near to Christ. Instead of moving you towards Christ, it pulls you away from Christ. Oftentimes, we just read over these, you know, one-one verses, you know, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, da, 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 you know, and we just kind of read over it. There is so much depth. I, I, I could preach and preach and preach just 2 Timothy 1.1 1, 1 for a long time because there's the, the, the Holy Spirit didn't put idle words in the introduction letter. He wasn't just saying frivolous words of, of oh, this is a, a formality of greeting. No, the Apostle Paul, yes, he's establishing his apostleship, but he's also telling us something about how he fits inside the body of Christ, and therefore those principles apply to how you fit inside the body of Christ. You don't have the apostleship of the Apostle Paul, but those same principles of him walking in his calling, of him walking in being in the place where God put him, drew him near Christ. It was gracious towards him. Those are principles that are true to you. And of course, he is establishing his authority because as we're going to see, there is authority. There is a relational aspect here of higher ranking within the body of Christ spiritually. It doesn't mean that God loves Paul more than he loved Timothy, but it means that the Apostle Paul could tell Timothy, stay in Ephesus in 2 Timothy 1, and or excuse me, 1 Timothy 1, and he could tell him here in 2 Timothy, come to me. And Timothy had the responsibility to obey him. And of course, there are other things that we see here as well that he tells him to do. Why does he have the responsibility to obey him? Because the Apostle Paul outranks him. He outranks him spiritually. And so Timothy had the responsibility to submit to him. That's part of being a son and a father relationship. Well, that's all we have time for today. In fact, we've gone over time more than I intended to get into, but that's okay. I'm excited to get into 2 Timothy to keep working on this. Let me know what you think um, and you know, do all those things that you're supposed to do. Subscribe, share, rate, I don't know. But anyway, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing Sing like the battle